If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Acts 3. Not that I'm going to actually um, start reading that, but I'm referring to some stories. So if you're one of the, those people who likes to um, look up scriptures, sort of start in sort of Acts 3 and you'll be, you'll be good. Um, yeah, Father, we thank you that... Uh, thank you that you come and you speak to us. Thank you for what you've already spoken to us today about. And we love coming near to you. And we love, we love your love. We love your forgiveness. We love your grace. We love your acceptance. And we love your word. We thank you we can refer to the Bible and find that it's not just a historical book, but it speaks to us today. And we just ask you right now that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm currently um, reading in my own sort of devotional times. I'm reading through the book of Acts at the moment, and uh, I have to say I'm totally loving it. Now, when you, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, it's the story of the first 30 years of the early church after Jesus has uh, died, uh, risen again, and then gone back to heaven. Uh, it's the next 30 years of the story. It's very exciting. It's pumped full of action. Uh, the temptation, of course, is to uh, think that it's full of superheroes who did some amazing and outstanding things. Now, it is amazing uh, because it is full of people doing outstanding things, but it's not about superheroes. And uh, the thing is, it's easy to write it off and go, that was then, uh, but this is now. Um, but what I've been really encouraged as I've been looking through uh, the uh, book of Acts is that actually it's full of people who are very ordinary. It's not about superheroes. It's a story of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Uh, ordinary people who were noticeably different. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about uh, when the ordinary becomes extraordinary. This is kind of part two, but a different tack. But it's really talking about being ordinary, but being noticeably different. And certainly that's what you find um, in the book of Acts. What you find is, as you read through, there is a common thread going through uh, with every story uh, about uh, these people. And what you find is these threads are going through is they had all had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ and it had changed the direction of their life. Uh, they had, they got to this point where they had such an encounter that their life looked like radical obedience to the man Jesus Christ. And they, they would go anywhere and everywhere if they felt Jesus was leading them to do it. And so what you've got is you've just got ordinary people from ordinary backgrounds touched by Jesus doing extraordinary things and stepping out of their comfort zones left, right and centre. And uh, what you get also is that these ordinary-looking people, you, you, you see the amazing courage and commitment they had to uh, spread the good news about Jesus uh, everywhere they went. And such was the impact, as I say, over these 30 years periods. Whereas Jesus, in his three years of public ministry, mainly reached parts of Judea and uh, Samaria, uh, what you find in the next 30 years of Jesus' death and resurrection, his followers had taken the gospel throughout Judea, Samaria, uh, beyond that to Asia, into Africa, and into Europe. In fact, they had touched the whole Roman Empire that was going to have sort of a massive imp um, impact and influence as the years rolled on. But within 30 years already, Jesus' followers had had a massive impact and um, 
you know, just when Jesus promised, uh, he said to his followers, do you remember that passage? It's John 14 where he says, uh, anyone who believes me, anyone who comes after me will do what I've been doing and they will do greater things. And when you read the book of Acts, they did. That's exactly what they did. They did amazing things. Many things that they did looked exactly like Jesus was doing them. And what you find is the good news of Jesus is spread like wildfire, accompanied by genuine works of power, miracles, signs, courage, etc. So what I want to do is I just want to refer to a few stories in the book of Acts, then we'll be hearing one or two up-to-date stories about um, this Jesus and what he wants to do and about ordinary people. So let's have a look at some examples of those ordinary people from the book of Acts. So, okay, first one in Acts 4, 3 and 4, you've got Peter and John. You may go, well, they're the superheroes. Uh, Wait a minute, they're not the superheroes. You've got Peter, who was just, in fact, both of them, they were were just fishermen. That was their background, all right? Peter was a loudmouthed, foul-mouthed guy, full of himself, who, when it came to the crunch, had denied Jesus, knowing Jesus. And with curses, he swore, I don't know the man. John, who we associate with being a very loving, uh, fathering figure in the church, that's who he became. But he also had a nickname of Sons of Thunder because he was, had a reputation of being hot-headed and rather judgmental and calling down the fire of God on people who didn't agree with him. And so what you have is very ordinary people. Uh, John himself, he was positioning with his brother for the top spot next to Jesus as well. Ordinary people, broken people, people who are working through, people who've got issues. But what you find in Acts 3 and 4 is what happens in, uh, is they have an encounter with a lame man. They're on their way to the temple to pray and they have an encounter with this lame man. There's nothing special about Peter and John. They're walking in with everyone else for this prayer time. The lame man is by the entrance expecting nothing but charity. He looked to them and thought, there's more people going to the temple. He asked them for money. The amazing thing is, at that moment, Peter and John suddenly see with faith, this is what Jesus wants to do, wants to heal the person. says, look, mate, I haven't got any money, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And they heal the guy. An ordinary day, going to the temple, extraordinary. The religious leaders didn't like them preaching about Jesus. They got a little bit upset about that. And so they arrested them. They kind of, a lot of people in, the, in Acts got into trouble for preaching Jesus. So they got in trouble with the religious, religious leaders and then uh, they told them, don't preach Uh, in this name again. And they said, well, we can't stop telling about Jesus because we know he's alive. We've met him. and, And don't look at us thinking that we're amazing because we're not amazing. We're ordinary. We've healed this man by the power of Jesus. And they got really upset with them. But then, this is what I love, is there's just one verse that says uh, in chapter 4, verse 13, the religious leaders saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men. That's what I love. It's full of ordinary people. But they took note of this. They took note that they'd been with Jesus. 
They'd had an encounter with Jesus. In fact, they were a couple of the 12 disciples. They had an encounter with Jesus. You see, only a few months earlier, they'd got rid of Jesus. The religious leaders had crucified him. They got rid of him. Uh, then there were rumours coming that Jesus had come back to life. They hated that. Now, here were Jesus' followers looking, sounding, acting like Jesus, healing the sick, showing such courage and lack of compromise. But they were very ordinary. You go on a couple of chapters, then you've got Stephen, first martyr, first one who, who had his life taken from him because he followed Jesus. Superhero? No, kind of ordinary. He was just a servant in the church who was helping out the apostles so that they could get on uh, with the other stuff. Uh, he helped widows. He helped care for the elderly. But we read that he was also a man full of God's grace. This is Acts uh, 6 somewhere. Uh, a man full of God's grace and power performing great signs and wonders among the people. He then gets into trouble for preaching about Jesus. And he's arrested and he's condemned to death. This ordinary guy who's shown extraordinary courage. What happens is when he, at his trial, uh, it says that they looked intently at Stephen. They saw that his face was shining like that of an angel. There was something about this guy at a point of pressure, at a point of opposition, a point where all the chips were down and everything was piled up against him. There was something about this guy that was demonstrating a peace, a calm, an authority. He wasn't phased by it at all. What happened to this ordinary guy who was showing extraordinary courage? What was it about him? Well, maybe they'd seen a very similar thing before, a few months earlier, when Jesus was at his trial. Calm, with authority, in charge, willing to let his life be taken from him. Stephen's acting the same. Then when Stephen dies, and they die, he dies by people throwing rocks at him, as he feels the life ebbing away from him and the you know, bones are broken and he knows the end is near, he cries out, Lord, receive my spirit. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like Jesus on the cross. And as he's dying, he says, don't hold this sin against them, Lord. As Stephen is dying, people must have been at the crucifixion a few months earlier where Jesus has said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And suddenly you've got this ordinary guy who is doing extraordinary things, seeing people healed, amazing miracles, even dying, and even in his death, he's looking like Jesus. There's something about these ordinary people. They'd encountered him. Then there's a whole bunch of unnamed superheroes, or not superheroes, just a bunch of ordinary people. You and I don't know their names. They went, after Stephen died, and there was a massive persecution, they scattered everywhere across the countryside. Everywhere they went. They weren't running out of fear. They were running with a real sense of purpose and commission. We are going to tell people about Jesus wherever we go. 
Stephen may have lost his life, Jesus lives, we carry on because Jesus is the one we've encountered. We want to see his power and his glory and his love shared with other people around. Unnamed heroes. And then it tells you in, uh, I think it's uh, chapter 8, talks about this guy Philip. Was he a superhero? No, he was one of these sort of unnamed nobodies. So it tells you about many unknown people who went and shared about Jesus. And then it says, and Philip went and did this. Who was Philip? Well, he was just another deacon in the church, another servant. An ordinary follower of Jesus. So in Acts 8, he goes to Samaria and uh, he proclaims Jesus and he performs great signs and wonders and miracles and many people are led to Jesus. And then, in the middle of that, if you like, revival of many people coming to Jesus, what happens is he then gets told by the Holy Spirit, would you go to this remote road between Jerusalem and Gaza? Just go there. So Philip obeys the prompting of the Spirit, and then he encounters a man from Ethiopia. And I won't tell you all the story, but basically what happens is uh, the, um, uh, he, he gets led to Christ. And what happens is, The man from Ethiopia becomes a Christian, encounters Jesus for himself, gets baptised, and then he goes off to Africa. What do you get? The gospel comes to Africa. Because Philip, an ordinary guy, responded to a prompting of a spirit, went to a remote road thinking, why am I even here, has stumbles into a conversation, and it's a God moment. And then there's Ananias, a superhero? No. Ananias, we don't hear of him until chapter 9. We don't hear of him before. We don't know where he's from. We don't know anything about him apart from this disciple, this follower of Jesus called Ananias. We don't hear about him ever again. Almost unnamed, just named once. This little story, what does he do? He has a vision of God speaking to him. He hears God telling him to go and see Saul. Now, he's heard about Saul. Saul is a guy who is anti-Jesus. Saul is going around persecuting Christians, putting them in jail, and, uh, and also uh, he's, he's putting some of them to death. Saul is a terrifying guy. Um, and uh, so anyway, God says to um, Ananias, go and see Paul. Because I've got a great work for, for this guy, Paul, Saul, same guy. Uh, I've got a great work for him. And Ananias says, but isn't this the guy that's killing us all? Isn't this guy that's persecuting us? God says, no, no, you go. He, he's, he's blind right now um, because Saul had had an encounter with Jesus a couple of days ago, le- uh, left him blind. And so Ananias comes rocking onto the scene, not bold as brass, but you would have thought fearful for his life, and comes and says, brother Saul, Jesus appeared to me. And the Jesus who appeared to you, I've come to restore your sight. And uh, now don't hang about, commit your life to Jesus. And Paul gets baptised and becomes a follower of Jesus. You see, those are just a few examples. Actually, do we need the heating on in here? Do we really need the heating on in here? Can I really turn it off? Turn this down one up. Hallelujah. Woof. Do you know they kill preachers around here with heating? So, anyway, the message is clear with all of these superheroes. The message is clear. These are not superheroes. 
These are ordinary people who are noticeably different. And the one difference that comes across is this. They have all encountered Jesus Christ. Jesus has transformed their life and now they're on a mission wherever they go, sharing Jesus with great courage and boldness. And the thing is, they're expecting whenever they step out, they expect that Jesus uh, will meet with people and people will encounter Jesus. The question I have, well, that was then, is that meant to be today? What about today? And so I want to just sort of talk a little bit about what about today? Examples of God using ordinary people today because Jesus is calling people, his followers, to be no less courageous than what you read in the book of Acts. He's calling us to be no less focused than that. It's not about superheroes. It's not, you won't even get your name in the book of Acts. I won't, because they've finished writing it. But no, I mean, you won't get it because we're just normal people. But the commission is the same. It's ordinary followers of Jesus who have an encounter with Jesus Christ and become noticeably different because of that encounter. I love stories of people stepping out. I love it. It was a while back when uh, Maddie P shared a story. In fact, I think he, um, he sort of messaged rounds. He'd had a conversation with someone at work, an ordinary day at work, and I think a family member was very ill. And he said, look, can I pray for you and can I get my friends to pray for you? And so several of us were praying behind the scenes, never met the person who was sick. And over the weeks or months, I can't even remember the time scale, it was, we heard stories of God coming in and bringing restoration and stuff. It was Maddie P on an ordinary day stepping out. Love it. I love stories like that. When Claire was, uh, I remember when you shared once, Claire, about being in the warehouse, I think it was. I don't know, we were in a queue, normal day, doing your shopping, whatever, you know? And suddenly you're conscious that someone is troubled and you get into a conversation, you communicate God's love with that person. She's in floods of tears. You probably were knowing you as well. I don't know. But, you know, you're praying, you're showing the compassion of Jesus to that person. An unnamed or an ordinary person stepping out and doing the stuff. I loved it, Lee, when you shared the other week about, you know, you, you guys, Lee and Tash, just, just out shopping, you know, just a normal day doing what you do, except on this day, it becomes an extraordinary day when you bump into someone who needs healing and you show courage to press in there. So suddenly, a normal day becomes not normal. It becomes Jesus normal, supernatural. And uh, I just love those stories. I know recently I've been uh, praying, uh, praying really, asking God to help me notice people. I, I'm aware that my life can be, and your life too, can be so busy that you just rush through life and you do your stuff. I've been praying that God would help me notice people and I know whenever I pray that sort of prayer, it's a dangerous prayer because the Holy Spirit brings people to your attention. Um, and uh, I saw, in fact, it was the day or within a day or so of me praying that prayer. I was at the gym and I saw, and I hadn't seen them for a while, two guys who were clearly manifesting some sort of post-stroke uh, type, type symptoms. And, I, and they got my attention. I'm like, oh. And I wrestled with God, and I thought, there's no way, surely not. You know, if, if when I finished my exercises, <laughs> and I bottled out. And um, 
The next time I went to the gym, one of those guys was there. I thought, this is the day. And I bottled out. This week, I'm thinking, Lord, just teach me to be obedient. Just teach me to step out and do what you're telling me to do. This week, I stepped out. I had a great conversation with him and he declined prayer. <laughs> What's that? What I'm learning is this. Listen to promptings of the Spirit and step out anyway. It doesn't matter if you look a fool. Just step out anyway. Now, I want to, um, I want to hear a story from someone who I deeply respect and admire. This is someone who happens to be my neighbour. Rodine, do you want to come and share a bit of what God's been doing with you. I love this woman's faith. I love her courage, and I kind of think you can take it from there, can't you? Yes. Okay. Okay, that's if I don't cry. So a disclaimer for my talk is that all the praise and glory and honour goes to our Lord and Saviour Jesus. <laughs> so when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with a debilitating disease which damages my peripheral nerves and as a result, all my peripheral muscles slowly withers away over time. And a while back, I also found out that this is now um, spread to my optic nerves, affecting my vision. But since the time I was diagnosed, my mum and dad took me to all the best neurologists and specialists that we could find. But also at the same time, they took me to all the prayer and healing services that we could go to, reaching out to Jesus for his healing touch. And over the many, many, many years since then, God has sent a number of messengers across my path. Some people I know and others were complete and utter strangers to me and my family. And those messages included that God loves me, God is going to heal me, and that this thing that I'm struggling with is not from him, but he will bring good out of it. So there's no doubt in my mind that I will receive my healing in this body before I go home to be with him. And so over probably at least the last eight years, he's put a huge desire in my heart to see sick people healed. And from a very young age, I've always prayed and said, God, use me, work in me, work through me for the expansion of your kingdom. And I've also had a sense that I would be involved in a healing ministry and probably full-time healing ministry. So it's all been very exciting and, and I love the thought of that. And I said to him, amazing God, I'm all for it, but I know what's best, you need to heal me first. <laughs> because, I mean, who wants a sick person to pray for them? And secondly, I've got so many phys physical restrictions, I just heal me first and then I'd be able to go out and do that. And then over the last probably year, one or two people said to me, oh, but you're such an encouragement. And it actually upset me a bit because, oh, great, that 
encouragement doesn't help your situation physically. It doesn't help my situation physically. So it upset me somewhat. <laughs> um, and then in February this year, on the 2nd of February, I went to see an orthodist. And after that um, appointment, God showed me, he revealed to me that because I still have this condition, I need to go to places which I wouldn't go if I didn't have this. Orthodist, neurologist, eye specialist, um, orthopedics. And those are all places where his love and his healing and his encouragement is desperately needed. And when I realized that, it just changed my heart completely and I could no longer say no. I could no longer say, I will start praying for people once I'm healed. So in February, I joined the HOTS team. Um, <laughs> and so since February, I've prayed for a number of people and haven't had breakthrough in all those um, cases. But I will tell you guys about the things that I have had breakthrough in. You may have remembered Phil mentioned one Sunday morning about a couple of people praying for Alex's ear and her ear being healed during the prayer. I was one of those people and it just encouraged me so much. And then I thought to myself, wow, it's actually that easy. <laughs> um, and then the week after, my mum told me that they went to have their eye test and my dad was told that he's got cataracts and he has to go for surgery to have it removed. And I immediately said, no way, no surgery. I had a cataract removed from my left eye and I, I can no longer focus in that eye. So I just don't want anyone to go for that surgery. Um, so we prayed over video call because they're in South Africa. And my dad also had um, infection of, of his eyelids at the time. So it was, his eyes were very painful and scratchy when he blinked his eyes. So I prayed for him. And at the end of the prayer, I said, okay, Dad, open your eyes. Can you, is there any difference? <sighs> and the look on his face, the pain went. The scratching was gone. That inflammation cleared immediately. And he said that he could see better as well. So I said to him, We'll pray again. We'll keep on praying until you go to see the eye specialist again. And so a couple of weeks later, I prayed for him again. And again, he said, his eyesight feels better. It seems like he can see further away. And so my mom asked me whether I'd pray for her eyes as well. And <laughs> she said, it's as if there's a, this cloud in front of her. Her vision is hazy. So I prayed for her. And then she opened her eyes and she said, that cloud is gone. She was able, yes, praise God. She was able to, um, there was a sign up on a building somewhere around the area where they were at the time. And she wasn't able to read that sign with her glasses. After we prayed, she was able to read it without her glasses. Wow, praise God. So my dad went back to see the eye specialist and he confirmed the information was completely gone, um, and the cataracts are too small to be removed. <laughs> so then um, my sister suffers from diabetes, and I 
prayed over a video call for her as well. And I said to her, okay, well, first pray for your eyes, and then we'll pray for your stomach, because at that time she had, I think for at least two weeks, a constant pain on her stomach that she said it felt like something was tied around and then being pulled tight across the stomach. So I prayed for her eyes, but as part of that prayer, I commanded the spirit of affliction to leave her body in Jesus' name. And I said, okay, do you see any difference in your vision? She said, no, but this pain on my stomach is gone. (laughs) So that pain left. And then, um, long story short, I prayed for a girl at work. The first time nothing happened, then I prayed again, and she said she felt a tingling in her eyes, and her headache immediately left. And then she said, you should pray for my mum as well. I said, what's wrong with your mum? She said, she's got MS. And when she said that, I just knew that that girl experienced Jesus' love. Because you're always thinking, don't tell me something happened just because you don't want me to feel bad. Just be honest so I can keep on praying. So those, those are the amazing things that Jesus has done through me in the last few months. And I just I want more of that. Um, heaven's storehouse is open to all of us. We just really just need to reach out and grab hold of it. And just to close, the other week, one morning on my way to work, God gave me a picture of a little girl and her father, and I was the girl and he was the father. And I was standing, he was sitting on a chair, I was standing behind him with my arms behind my back, leaning over with my shoulder, um, my chin on his shoulder, and he had a chessboard in front of him, and he was moving the pieces around on the board. And he said to me, Rodine, this is how I move things around to prepare things for you in your life. All you need to do is sit back and trust me and know that I prepare the way. And I really feel that that's a message that he has for all of us. Ordinary people being used by an extraordinary God. I love stories like this. This this isn't to make out that Rodine is a superhero. It's to make out that she's actually her name's worthy of one of the ordinary people in the book of Acts, like any of us. And um, as she says, the storehouse of heaven is open to any one of us. And uh, I believe God is just wanting us to um, be more courageous, step out more. I love the book of Acts when it finishes. It, it finishes in such a way that it doesn't sound like it's finished. In other words, the story goes on. And the question is whether we're going to be those who carry on with the, taking the banner. And, and, I mean, listen, the thing that makes these, the, these stories, all of these stories from the Bible and the stories that I've shared and wrote in stories is this. Ordinary people have encountered Jesus and it's made a huge impact on their life. It's had such an impact that it leads to radical obedience and they're going to follow Jesus whatever happens. Uh, it's ordinary people depending on the Holy Spirit, listening to his promptings. Um, it's understanding, ordinary people understanding the Great Commission 
that God has put us here to share Jesus' love wherever we go. Listen, that's why we do Alpha. That's why we do it. Because one of the questions Alpha calls us is, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus you can encounter? Who is this Jesus who will impact your life? Who is this Jesus who will take an ordinary life and bring significance out of it? Who is Jesus? A massive question. Who is he? He has a massive impact. He's had an impact on my life. He's had an impact on many of your lives too. So when we run Alpha, it's not just because we like running a course. It's like actually we want to give people an opportunity to encounter this same Jesus. So as Matt said, you know, if you've got anyone who you want to invite, just we've got 10 days to do it. Well, less than that, actually, because it'd be nice to know how many we're catering for. Um, But bring people to Alpha. Bring them along with you. If you're here and you're wanting to know more about this Jesus, come along to Alpha. I just want to finish with one um, story. Um, And um, Amber, can you tell me, or put your hand up if I get it wrong, all right? I may come to you for some questions anyway. Yeah, come on then. (laughs) Okay, so just use that mic, that'll be fine. A few months ago, a couple of months ago, we're in this hall, and uh, I was just trying to step out in words of knowledge, and uh, sometimes you think, Am I hearing God? Is this right? Is this wrong? Sometimes you fall flat on your face. It appears that you get it, don't get it right. And on this morning, I gave a word of knowledge which it looked like I'd got completely wrong, which is fine. It's okay. I'm learning to try to hear God and then step out on it. So on this particular morning, I had a, a word of knowledge which talked about a sort of a pain around the head or something like this. And I, I remember doing this and I described something. And um, at the time... Um, Amber was here, and uh, you didn't put your hand up, did you? No, I was naughty. I yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah. be bothered. But that's okay. <laughs> now, tell us, why did you not put your hand up at the time? Um, well, just going back about 10 months ago, um, I had a major, major operation. They had discovered two brain aneurysms, and um, I, uh, my family, there had already been three members that had died, and um, a first cousin, 30-year-old, who was found unconscious, and they were able to save him. But they decided that it was too dangerous and they needed to go in and um, clip them off, which involved cutting my skull and handling the brain. I was very apprehensive about that because that's not nice to know something like that's going to happen to you. And just prior going into the operation, I was saying, Father, Father, please, I'm so apprehensive, I'm so worried, I don't know if I'm going to even open my eyes after the operation. And I just found the power of God descended, the peace of God came upon me, and he took away all the fears and all the apprehension I had, and I thought, Lord, whether we live or whether we die, we are yours, Mm. we are in your hands. Mm. And so after the operation, yes, I did experience excruciating pain Mm. and I came uh, to King's Church because I wasn't allowed to drive and the church I'd been to initially was quite away so I thought well you know we're all children of God we all belong to Christ I'll go there and uh, Pete prayed for me when he saw me but um, 
the pain and the healing uh, was continual. Month after month after month, I was taking drugs, legal ones, day and night. And, uh, um, and one day, just before, this was on the Thursday, I sat at my kitchen table and I said, Lord, how long, how long do I have to endure this pain? And then I just said, anyway, Lord, your will be done. I came to church and I sat up there and I was feeling a bit hazy and my friend Carol asked me, was I all right? And I said, oh, well, I, was, I didn't want to stand up or anything because I was feeling dizzy and he gave the word and I thought, my gosh, he's described where he pointed to the actual areas where the pain was really, really um, bad and had been for months. Anyway, um, I, didn't go, I didn't put my hand up, I just didn't feel inclined to. But out there, I felt a bit guilty and I thought, I need to say something to Phil. I said, Phil, I'm the person that you had that word for, but I didn't put my hand up. And he said, well, can I pray for you now? And I said, of course you can. Well, you know, that night when I went home, prior to that, I could not sleep on the back of my head. I couldn't take the pressure. I couldn't sleep on the side of the head where the wound had been because of the pressure. I could only sleep on one side. And it's annoying <coughs> after nine months or eight and a half months, nine on the same side, not being able to turn. But anyway, that night, I was able to sleep on the back of my head. I was able to sleep on that side. And uh, the drugs uh, just dropped off. And um, so far, everything's been going good. And um, I'm practically back to normal again, Phil, if that's... Praise God. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. That's... Praise God. We give God the glory. And again, just lessons learned as I was stepping out tentatively, didn't know if I was getting it right or wrong, thought I was getting it wrong. Um, later find out that God had given me that word of knowledge the wonderful thing was when she said it was it accurately described to condition, I thought, wow, I thought I was just doing this or whatever, you know. <laughs> and, um, but then you see, when you get a word of knowledge right, it releases faith, and you think, God didn't do that for a game. He did that because he wanted to heal you, Amber. And so then it increases faith. So you're able to pray in the name of Jesus for healing to come. But I was still very surprised at uh, the Connect group a couple of days later when she then told the story that she's just finished off, just saying she hasn't had pain since. Talked with her this morning, hasn't had that pain since. In fact, one of the conversations we had, she said it felt like her brain or inside her skull's being re-engineered or reshaped or put back. Um, praise God for that. Listen, we're ordinary people, we step out. Um, Time has gone, but I'll tell you what we're going to do quickly. Just, just stand where you are. Or sit where you are. Doesn't matter. Just sit where you are if you want. It's okay. So ordinary people, I asked God for some words of knowledge this morning. And uh, I was blank. So what we're going to ask God to do right now is we're going to ask God to give ordinary people words of knowledge. Happy for that? Who's ordinary here today? Who's ordinary? Who is ordinary? Who's a normal person here today? Okay, come on. So we're just going to ask in just a moment, and we're not going to take long on this because God doesn't need ages, okay? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, as we've heard these stories that inspire our faith, 
Father, we know that you want to use ordinary people. And right now we present ourselves to you. Would you drop into our minds right now, drop onto our hearts, situations that need your touch right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. And when you get a word of knowledge, just put your hand up where you are, please. Shout it out, Helen. Left foot bunions. Does Veruca count? I'd like to claim the Veruca on my left foot. All right, so you can pray for me. Sorry? It's for Sarah. Okay, so that's awesome. So bunion, Veruca? Are they the same? Anyway, that's okay. Any more words of knowledge? Lip? Okay, is that upper lip or is that okay? Something with the lip could be a soreness, it could be an irritation, it could be an infection. Who's that? Be one of those like Amber who came at the end. It's naughty. <laughs> okay. Anyone else? Any other words of knowledge? By the way, because someone hasn't responded to that, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It could be someone out in the kids' ministry that that refers to. So in your conversations, be aware. Okay. Anyone else? Yes. Right ankle and left ear. Okay. And kidney? No. Okay, so go through that again. Which? Let's do it one at a time. Which one? Right ankle. Someone with a condition with a right ankle? Over here. Okay, yep. Left ear. Is that a deafness, a blockness? There's a left ear here. Okay, all right. Left wrist and thumb. Could be a sprain or something, or just, a, again, a condition. So I keep doing this because of the lights, the bright lights. Anyone for that one? Okay, and kidney. Is that a pain, do you think, or is that an effect? That's one already. Someone's got a kidney over there. Okay, so hopefully we've all got at least a kidney, but okay, that's awesome. Any more words of knowledge quickly? Just one, yep. Just at the bottom of the ribs, just around that. Pain? Just at the bottom of the ribs, here, a pain. Right hand side. There's one over here, there's a hand here, hand here, hand here. Okay, awesome. Because we've got a, um, uh, on a time and stuff like that, uh, we're going to say kids can go, but I want to ask you if any of you have, um, those with words of knowledge come forward, and those who responded to words of knowledge just come forward, please. Everyone is, in fact, let's have the words of knowledge, um, let's have the people who had the conditions come forward. Come on. Those of you who, because the thing is this, and what we're learning just to say is, when God gives words of knowledge, he intends to, he's not just showing how bright and clever he is, he's showing, he wants to show his power. And so now we can pray with faith. And it's not just, is that everyone who responded? Everyone, anyone out here who's responded? Oh, I'm here as well, because I responded. Okay. Now it's not just those who give words of knowledge who have to do the praying. What the word of knowledge does is release faith. If you feel there's a rise of faith, I want to come and pray.
And Rodine, if you're not up here, I'd be very surprised. But it's not just about Rodine, okay? If you feel a rise of faith, you want to come and pray, pray knowing God has highlighted some situations. So we pray with authority and command the situation to get better. Is that cool? Right. Come now if you're going to pray. Ordinary people, come now.